0: so what are we talking about today matthew for our 37
1: seven seven yeah uh yeah so something that you know flash flashback to our 30 episode 35 we talked about control and resilience we talked about how we were starting a road trip with an injured pup Mm-hmm. and still pup, have an injured pup. pup is still injured we've managed to get through all we're three fourths of the way through the the trip now we're, yep. we've got our routine so we've managed to remain uh resilient and make it all worth it we're driving through one of the most beautiful parts of the country as we speak we
0: are we're just outside of Bryce Canyon National Park and on the other side is Zion National Park
1: yeah and it's it's just it's a sight to behold we're
0: looking at Cows in an open field. Yeah, they look and happy. Beyond it, it looks like that's Bryce Canyon, doesn't that?
1: I think it probably is Bryce Canyon. Okay. So yeah, we're we're about and it's about seventy five degrees. Uh it's just, just an incredible part of the country. Sure is. Um but what we really wanna talk about today, or what I was thinking we could talk about today, um, is I've noticed well it's been true for both of us but particularly true for you and it got me thinking like you know this last couple of weeks you've had some struggles with mental toughness yeah uh, you want to tell us about that not really <laughs> okay <laughs> well I just know you mean
0: just managing stress
1: managing stress for me and- in, my,
0: in my I've been feeling overwhelmed uh, just Because lots of things have been going on. Sure. Work, family stuff, big events, travel, uh, adapting to being around lots of people, family, uh, family, friends. I mean, just all of those things, right? Okay. Lack of exercise. Okay. Uh, I had a medical procedure that uh the doctor put me basically on no exercise except for walking for 6
1: weeks okay
0: which is really difficult for me okay so all of those contribute to a tough <laughs> um set of circumstances that lead to stress for me and i'm already prone to stress right
1: so, I've definitely noticed all the above. Okay. um I mean, we've been together for so long it's easy for me to catch it, but like i I haven't seen you go a stretch like you've gone over the past whatever it is Couple three, months, two, three months, maybe yeah in a while. It's been a long time since I've seen you go a stretch like that, and I do think that you're right I'm onto something there because and it's something I wanted to talk about with uh mental toughness. Uh, and the ability to stay resilient throughout these types of stress related um, incidents. Uh, but h- how important also is uh, physical, you know, uh, ma- management of your, you know, your body? It's just the physical, just managing the physical. How much does that help you in terms of in this? I'm asking you specifically, how much does that help you in terms of being able to manage your mental state?
0: Yeah, well, because that, that was the topic that you said, hey, let's talk about what what it means to manage your mental state. And I said part of it is knowing your body. Okay. I mean, I know my body is much different from yours down to sleep. Like, I have to get six to eight hours of sleep a night. Really, seven to eight hours. Six is not really enough for me of good sleep a night, or else I wake up and still feel a little behind the eight ball, you know? Yeah. Like, I feel like I'm ten steps behind because I am groggy, or I don't—I just haven't had a chance to reset. I can also tell if I've had too many glasses of wine, or like one too many <laughs> drinks. Uh, well, that's usually I pretty know, easy to tell well, for most people. Yes, I know that. But what I'm saying is, I wake up at about three o'clock or four o'clock in the morning.
1: If and you've had wine, you're saying. If I've
0: had too much, yeah, too many, too many beverages, and what I notice, and I, and my homeopathic doctor told me that. <laughs> At, if you wake up at three to four, that means your liver is on overload, and mm-hmm. your liver is is trying to to keep Process up. All yeah, of that. and a lot of times when you wake up at those hours, that's that's what is going on.
1: Well, so the blend, and, and this was not a super outlined topic. It was just something that I've been noticing and thinking about, and I figured you know might be a, might be a way for us to relate this. I, I think it's ultra important to being creative because when my mental state is not being managed correctly, i don't feel creative i don't feel driven i don't want to do anything
0: well you don't want to do anything i but don't even sleep
1: yeah i don't even have the ideas to do anything, much less want to get up and do it and what I've also noticed at least about me is that if if my mental state isn't managed, that probably means it's something physical that I did or didn't do that got kind of got me in that you know bind right and um so exercise for me is huge like I, I do have i'm i am a high energy person most of the time except for early in the morning
0: no about three o'clock in the afternoon you got to take a nap
1: well that's all yeah yeah that's true that will so grumpy so those are the big you know we, we you know we we hear all of the the basic things you know, get enough sleep get enough exercise eat right figure out what's right for your body all that stuff but but some, there is another factor in the mental toughness thing. And we can talk all around any of these parts of this, this subject. But for you in particular, I've noticed over the years, you do have a particular mental toughness. You have a quality of being able to overcome uh, mental, not just stress, but like you'll get in your own head about something and then it'll be just, you know, eaten at you. And then you find a way around it. I guess really what, and this is putting you on the spot a little bit, which is kind of fun. How how, or why are you that way? Or how did you get to be that way? Because not like I, I think I'm kind of mentally tough at, at certain times when it has to be. But my instinct doesn't really go right to that. I usually don't want to have to be mentally tough unless it's just like absolutely mandatory.
0: well, I'll reverse it on you for a moment. Can you give me an example of what you're talking about so that I can maybe describe what I did to get through that moment?
1: Well, um I mean I like I could probably give you well you're talking about a like something specific that I that I recall you getting through yeah okay well. Apart from what even the recent thing you know with you having to to go through um all of the things you just mentioned, you know i re, I even remember as kids like you were a tennis player and you would be on the court and you typically were not bigger than the other person <laughs> that you were playing, right and I watched you play a five lot five
0: foot five foot nothing one, yeah, I like to say.
1: Yeah, well, uh, I, I would watch, but I would watch. I watched you play a lot of tennis.
0: You're gonna go left at the light. Okay,
1: uh-huh. uh, I watched you play a lot of tennis, and I would see you beat girls that were bigger and seemingly not just stronger, but they seem like they should have won. <laughs> I don't know. I don't. I don't mean that in any bad like sense. It's just like if you if I'm looking across the court and and looking at you and and seeing what you're up against, I'm going. This is kind of like Rocky against the Russian. It's not really supposed to go your way. Yeah. But you would find ways more often than not to win, especially those matches. I even saw you lose matches at times that I thought you shouldn't have lost. But when the ones right. w- where you would play against these, you know, sort of like phys- these, they were more physically, I guess, intimidating than you than you looked. You would win. So that to me is, there had to be some mental toughness going. And this is just a athletic example, but I'm, yeah. get, I'm laboring toward a point. We just Can you answer that maybe?
0: Sure. Well, I think sports are awesome uh, because they really do teach you. Tennis is such a unique sport in that you're always by yourself on the court. I mean, unless you're playing is, doubles, it's just unless you. Unless you're playing doubles. But, you know, if you're playing singles and from a young age, you know, when you're Six, seven. Um, no, actually, I started when I was nine. So when you're nine and you're older, you know, all you want to do is be with your friends. I mean, I that's what I did. That's why I loved when I was in school, being a part of a club or a or a team or a group or a band or you know whatever it was. And the thing that, in the specific instance you're talking about, I remember playing a college tennis match. At, uh,
1: We're probably talking about the same match, honestly. McLennan. And yeah. I played What's a that girl name? that was
0: like six foot three. Her <laughs> she, name was North, Lindsay Taintner, maybe. Was I think? she
1: North Texas or Tyler? She
0: was Tyler. Tyler. Look at this dog. Yeah. He's so funny. Um, So she was about six three. She hit the crap out of the ball. She could serve really well. But what my coach told me at the time was like, you don't, you can't overpower her, Denise. Like you're not. You cannot physically overpower her. She but will what win you're, that game. She will beat you. But what you're going to have to do is you will be... If you can stay steady and consistent, you can get the ball back just one more time and play each point out. Like, don't worry about getting ahead for a whole set or whatever it is. Just go each point and you'll wear her down eventually that one by one, uh, you'll get up. And your mental you know he was trying to build my confidence too and so I think that carries over into kind of day to day resilience as an adult is sometimes people when I talk to friends of mine that seem to be overwhelmed often they get so much into thinking about the big long term effects you know so like, like for example you know I have a couple friends that they they were worried during COVID about job security, right? And
1: and rightfully and they would so, get,
0: right? Yeah, of course. And the thing they were worried about was all the cascading effects. If I lose my job, I lose my house. My kids don't have anywhere. My you know yeah. like and they think, get too thing, overwhelmed by yeah. the big thing, big picture versus just survive day Our, to day. Armageddon
1: happens pretty fast in your head.
0: Yeah, exactly. So I think. In the instance you're talking about, to manage my mental state in those moments was just to take it like one step at a time and also know myself and know what I could, could what I can and can't do. Like I, I'm not physically going to overpower a girl that's six foot three. It's just impossible, but I can do some things, you know, and so I've kind of taken that into adulthood and just said, okay, well, let me figure out. I feel really overwhelmed today. But what things do I know I can do that help me to manage that? Part of it is I learned what for my body in particular, I have to take adrenal like support. Like my adrenal glands for some reason are just always in when they when things get stressed, I'm in fight or flight mode. Yeah. I'm I'm in that mode to the point where Uh, you guys might have heard it if you've listened to this before. I don't know if I've said it, but the beginning of COVID, I didn't even know I lost like a huge chunk of hair.
1: Oh, yeah, that's right. And what was that called? Alopecia. alopecia.
0: And uh, I I went to my girlfriend, my good friend, who's my hairdresser, and she goes to give me a haircut and color my hair. And she goes, oh my gosh, Denise, you have a giant bald spot. Did you know that? I almost had a heart attack. And it turned out when I went did the teladoc that they're like oh well that's alopecia you a lot we're having a lot of cases of this during covid because people are really stressed and mm-hmm. that's a result of it you lose your hair
1: Goodness so, gracious! Yeah, um, that that then, was wild. That was really weird. I, yeah,
0: and so then I also went to my homeopathic doctor, and he said your adrenal glands are just on overload. And I I, I went in thinking I had a kidney infection. It,
1: well, how, and maybe this is not. I don't. This is maybe getting a little too far into the the med part of it. But it's. I'm. How do your adrenals affect you again?
0: Like um, did, what? What is?
1: What is he told you? Or do you recall? It, I just know that the
0: from what I can recall that he said the adrenals are the support for your stress. Oh, okay.
1: So, it is related directly to stress. Yeah. And and it's a tell. It basically if you're on... If they're on overload or they're full or whatever it is, it's a tell for high stress situations.
0: Yeah. So, like even this...
1: Well, you've got it right there. Yeah, right
0: here. I have (laughs) some adrenal support that's just called stress care. Keep that on you all day, huh? Upgrades energy while lowering stress, preserves adrenal function. And so this one in particular is ashwagandha and holy basil and a bunch of other stuff. But um, it says it nurtures the adrenal glands which control the amount of cortisol released into the body uh, there you go supporting energy vitality and stress response so yeah. basically if you're in flight or fight mode the whole time am i saying that reverse yeah
1: it's fight flight. or flight but you can okay, say flight or whatever fight. whatever you say flight or fight
0: yeah uh, you're just always secreting cortisol
1: okay yeah so that, No. I did, that's I have why read about your that. body okay. is
0: like Your body is just like, oh, what? I always need to be.
1: Well, now you're touching on something, too, that's really interesting to me. And especially, you know, well, I don't want to go too far off uh, on a tangent from where we were just were, because in a way what you were saying was that, you know, in order to overcome in the in the physical situation of playing tennis against this girl that was much larger than you, you had to be creative in the way that you were going to play her. Obviously, yeah, that's one part of it. Yeah, that's one part of it. And and that plan probably helped you dr- drag or drop the stress level down a little bit. Right. Because it's like, at least if you have a plan, the stress is like, oh, OK, the, you know, your stressor uh, stressed out self can be like, OK, OK, we have an idea. Let's try to make this idea happen. We'll do it one little step at a time rather than, hey, let me zoom all the way out and go, there's no freaking way I'm beating this girl. You well,
0: know? and it's it's good coaching too if you think about it. You can even get into the strategy of good coaching. Is mm-hmm. My coach knew that he needed me to gain some confidence. And the yeah. way you can gain some one confidence step at is, a time. you know, in tennis, it's all about win a point. You know, a, a point is the make or break. If, if you look at when you get to deuce or add, that means you're even. You are completely even in that game, but that one point is the thing that could you could have just won four points in a row.
1: And then if you And yeah. then you
0: lose that and you just lost all of that yeah. momentum, right? Right, right. Even you get to a tiebreaker. You know, you look at some of the great matches between Federer and Nadal mm-hmm. and they went five sets, but those tiebreakers, they really were only um, the only difference between one or the other was five points, you know, or three points technically, because you just have to win three out of five sets. Okay. So if you talk about um, the strategy of my coach, the coach, my coach was just like, hey, just chip away at it. Yeah. You know, you don't need hang to, around, hang around, yeah, hang chip around. away at yeah. it. And also, what happened was it managed my mental state, but it also kind of, Took down my opponent's mental state, right? Because well, now I'm chipping away at her confidence, and
1: well, and she's probably if she's bigger, and I'm now I'm just speculating, but if I remember right, she, she did whale the roll ball. Me. She did wail the ball pretty hard, yeah. right? Yeah, and if she, and if she wails it at you four or five times, and you hit it back, she's now like, it's like, well, wait a minute, That's yeah. that was supposed to just, yeah, that was just supposed to bring it into her,
0: and in her mind, as soon as she walked on the court, she's just thinking, oh man, I'm gonna roll this little girl.
1: <laughs> were you about to say little Filipino girl?
0: Uh, no, but that <laughs> is what you I were. am. So. I thought
1: that's what you were going to say. Yeah. All right. So, uh, and then I want to go back to something you were talking about earlier about the cortisol thing. Yeah. Uh, well, obviously we're not doctors, but we've, we've, we've dug into this a fair bit. So you're kind of aware of what's happening with your body and the weird part of what we've, what I've learned anyway, and it actually helps me whenever I need to be mentally tough is that if I'm having a freak out, like in my mind or in my head or outward or if I'm having a freak out one thing that can settle me down is I can sit and just think hey this isn't actually about anything you've done good or bad this is actually about chemicals that are flowing through your body this has nothing to do with what's going on out in the world it's all chemicals that are happening from your brain now those chemicals are being released based on what's happening outside right. the world but you don't have that you don't have to be bound by that if you can just whatever maybe breathing helps i don't know sometimes
0: they're chemicals released as a result of what you've eaten or what you've drank
1: yeah right or the lack of sleep or the, you know? any of those so uh, yeah a-
0: and you just said breathing so i think that's a you know, big theme that we've talked about throughout the podcast is the benefits of yoga. Yeah. You but didn't. I think the thing about yoga is it's focused on breathing, right? The whole thing is about connecting your body, your movement to your breath and, um, or centering you or, or gathering, centering your energy, right? And your mula <laughs> And so I, uh, with breathing, you're actually helping control your cortisol level in your body. So when I'm not doing yoga as much, which like for the six weeks that my doctor said, no, you can't even do yoga. That's too much core. Like you have to, you have to heal. Then that's affecting my cortisol levels. Like I'm not regulating cortisol through breath anymore. So I really have to take supplements to, if I already know that I'm prone to, secreting more cortisol, which so, sounds weird.
1: <laughs> learning your body is yeah. a huge part. And that means you almost have to act like a scientist with yourself. Like you have to make either mental note or actual physical notes right. about what's happening on a day-to-day basis. When you do something, what reaction are you getting kind Right of thing? Right. Uh, if I get because for me, sometimes, honestly, I've noticed with sleep, like as important as we talk about that, you know, as they say that that is, I notice if I have more than seven or eight hours, I'm dragging all day. Mm -hmm. Like I I almost, I don't know if there's anything to that. Somebody tell me, I don't know. But I know personally, I feel like I will be dragging if I sleep too long. Mm -hmm. Six is like perfect. If I wake up with a good six hours, meaning that I didn't start. I didn't just lay down and then lay there for two hours and then sleep for four. If I actually sleep for six hours and then I get up, I feel like that's my sweet spot. You well, know? And,
0: and that's knowing your body, right? Yeah. That's knowing what you need. I'm I'm not like that, you know. And especially if I go a couple of days, like we were just in Vegas for my brother's wedding and hardly got any sleep. You know, over the course of those four nights that we were there and I was super stressed by the end of it. Weddings can be stressful, but I was super stressed about things when maybe if I would have had a little more sleep, I wouldn't have been.
1: Well, and oddly enough, and some of those were self-inflicted
0: nights. Let's just say that. well
1: that's true too but yeah. but you also are a person who like absorbs other people's stress because there's no reason pe- somebody listening to this right now or at least if I were I'd be like why are you stressed out if it's not even your wedding yeah but you absorb the stress that's going on around you yeah and, and, I do and leading up to any wedding, you're going to have a certain deal, of, a certain degree of stress. It's just the nature of the beast because you've put all of this energy into figuring out how this day is going to go. Right. And so when you see other people doing and feeling that, it's like you you absorb it. So I definitely noticed that in you. Um, something else. Hang on. Let me see. Let me make sure you're still recording. Yeah, you are. You're good. Um, some, so... All right. Where else though? Where there's, it's not, I know it's not just, I've known you too long to know that it's not just, well, I, you know, I paid attention to this or that. What, where else do you, cause like there are times where I see you, you have a really hard time fig like, like the difference between us, for example, if something happens that I don't like, I'm usually better. I mean, if you take away driving, take that out of the equation. I'm not very patient or very tough when it comes to that. I'm just get really angry. So put that one aside, but lots of profanities, right? Put that aside. But if I get bad news, I'm usually like not as prone to freak out immediately to it as you are. Like, it seems like you will have a, an immediate, like, Oh my, you know, Oh my gosh. But if you give it like when you have, a couple of hours or even a day to process bad news. Yeah. You do much better with it the next day. You start mm-hmm. down a path that's like okay, I don't know if, if if what's going through your mind is at the beginning it's maybe just jumping into that fight or flight thing and then you go yeah. then you go, "Wait a minute, there's nothing I can do about this to control it. So I'm going to figure like out what Bodhi? steps" Well, that is an example. Yeah. That's definitely like one Bodhi's example. Like- yeah.
0: Uh, so But you've
1: done that with all kinds of things, me included, our marriage. You've done that at times where you didn't feel like you could control whatever it was I was wanting to do. And somehow we would come away and have a talk and the next day I'd be like, well, I did not think you were going to be able to bend your mind around that one, but yeah. you did, you know?
0: Uh, I think it goes back to uh, something my mom used to make me do when I was young and it's not as formal, but she used to always be big on pros and cons list. Okay. And like, what's the or or my dad would always kinda say like what's the worst thing that could happen? Right? Right,
1: right. So
0: I think I work through my mind informally. I don't actually write a pros and cons list, but I do think about what the different scenarios are and what I could do that's actually within my power. Like, what is actually in my control that I can do that would help it? And I also think I also have to accept this goes back to, like, the serenity prayer or any of those of what is it that I can actually control myself? Like, there are just some things that I have to take the onus off of myself. Like, it's not my responsibility to make decisions for you or for my family, or for anybody, all I can do is choose how I'm going to respond to it, and make decisions that way.
1: Well, okay, and and, and there is a fine line between giving, like, whenever you're talking about like remaining mentally tough and and, and sort of um, hanging around or hanging in there, as we'd call it. Um, there's a fine line between giving up altogether. Yeah, and trying to control things that you can't control. Okay,
0: so a big part is like allowing, especially if it's with your partner or your writing partner, like whoever it is, right? Yeah, Yeah, whoever your partner is in this situation, it's huge to put it on them to own responsibility for their end of it. Yeah, and and to and to say also like what it is that I need. I need from you or what it is that you did that was frustrating or that was really good. You know, like I got to be able to do it on both ends. And so I think that was that took a lot of weight off of my shoulders by saying, hey, I need your help too." you know, like, right. I can only say that I responded in this way and that was wrong or that was right or whatever it was. But here's what you did and you can choose to own up to it or not, but it, it made me feel this way. And
1: yeah. And, yeah,
0: And so I'm choosing as a response to let you know what it is, but you, you got to do something about it. Like I can't do anything.
1: Yeah. And obviously mental toughness in relationships, be it your working relationship, your marital relationship. It's yeah. just like, it's like th- that is the ultimate mental toughness. Parents, I, I think well, yeah, I can't imagine, but we don't know for sure. But yeah, for, yeah. But for family, I, I, siblings parents you know grandchildren children nieces nephews whatever it is there is a certain degree of mental toughness that it takes to carry on any of those relationships and and there's an art form to it you have to be creative because you're gonna have to learn that person specifically and then you're gonna have to know yourself as well and you're gonna have to do things that like you know and, and I don't know, I've noticed it more in creative relationships because that's, you know, a lot of times where you just assume or you forget, it's like you forget that this is j- very much just a relationship very similar to any other one that you have. You know, it's yeah. a marriage in and of itself. Yeah. And and so it's really important to remain mentally tough enough to be able to be fair. And and, and I was thinking of something the other day, it was a, kept coming over me, it's like, It's really hard. I don't know if it's... I think it's really hard for most people, but it's definitely hard for me is you run into a situation where you know you did something that wasn't quite clean or quite right. And you just know it. But then your instinct or my instinct is like, how can I kind of just like put attention on some other part of this debacle so that attention's not on what it really should be on, which is something I did or didn't do.
0: Well, and you go back to go back to therapy days for a little bit and uh, you know a big question that our therapist or our counselor would say is like who's driving is it your uh, primitive, primitive brain, brain yeah. or is it your rational brain
1: yeah yeah and it's it's so easy to let the primitive brain just drive and and, and that's really a moment where it's like no I don't want to I don't want to admit that I did this or didn't do this I want to I want to just like s- slide that under the rug I yeah, don't want to admit start,
0: it when you start acting when you start catching yourself wanting to play dirty and it's not, when I say play dirty, even if it's not
1: an outright lie. It could be just like a, Hey, let's divert the attention over here. Don't look over here. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And that has been a work in progress for me too, is, um, for, for a long time now, what probably over 10 years, right. Of I try, I've been trying to get better about immediately calling myself out when I do something Wrong,
1: Like basically admitting the thing that you would really don't want to admit. Correct. It's there. Yeah. And yeah. I'm
0: not saying I always do a good job at it, but I've been trying for the past 10 years is to say, Ooh, Ooh, I got to catch myself there. Cause I know I did that. I did that wrong.
1: Well then, and that kind of goes back to even what we talked about in episode 35, but, but if you, if you really are up against something that's giving you the fits of any kind, what, you know, it seems like a big part of the the beginning steps of being mentally tough is to admit what you don't want to admit, Accept what it is that you know is a problem. And you, you know, if you can't, if you can't say what the problem is, then you definitely aren't going to find a solution for it.
0: Well, and I think that goes back to when you talk about managing your mental state, I think the goal always is to let your rational brain be in control. Now, I, I wonder how what your reaction is to this statement, because it seems like if you're a creative, sometimes you just want your primitive brain to be yeah. in control because you feel like that's unfiltered, raw creativity. But
1: Well, yeah. It's so true.
0: what's the challenge of that? Because I think managing for me, my mental state is make sure that the the person in, the one in the driver's seat is my rational brain so that I don't so I don't get so stressed. I don't have freakouts. I don't start getting my body in fight or flight mode. Yeah. Right. So how does that work for, for creativity? Yeah.
1: Well, for me, I know it's going to be different for any creator or artist or whatever, but like for me, I, that's been, that. what you just said has been years and years and years of thought and practice because in the early days when I was really just practicing to be an actor, it was all about, nope. In first instinct, best instinct. And the more primitive, the more emotional, the more feeling there is in that, the better. That was all I ever wanted, right?
0: Yeah. And it was a real challenge being married at the time when you were discovering that that was an, um, a state of being that you wanted to be in most of the time. Yeah. You know,
1: it was always living the moment. And every I know. Look, there's a lot of good self-help books and stuff out there, quotes and memes and things that say, "Be present, be in the moment." It's true. It's true, and it's and it's more true than ever, or it's more true for artists than it is for maybe anyone. I, I mean, I don't know. Maybe that's not even true. Like, it, it. Bottom line is, being present and in the moment and in tune with your feelings and and emotions is a it's a critically important thing in getting through life. However. If all you do is live in the moment and live in your emotions, then you are definitely going to have a life that is built on roller coaster ups and downs. Well,
0: because what you're doing is you're living in the moment for yourself. like And it's
1: selfish. Yeah.
0: Are you living in the moment for yourself or are you living in the moment for the people you're experiencing with it, too? Like, I, I think... If you know on that day you are going to do a painting and you really want to be creative and you want to be in the moment and you want to, you know, do whatever it takes to get you in your most creative state, that's fine. But if you're supposed to be with your family and have dinner at six o'clock and you've chosen to get yourself in that mode. Yeah. that. Like
1: Well, if you made a commitment to somebody else that yeah. didn't involve you. And, and I mean, look, let's just take let's take a simple example from history. Jackson Pollock, painter. Yeah. Well, what he did was he very typically would drink to get into a position to where he would be ready to paint. And he painted under the influence of alcohol. Well, for better or worse, who gives it? I don't, I don't know what's right or wrong as you're far you're as i goes. You're not judging. You're um, just No, I don't know. I, I do, I've done it too. I've done all of those things. Still do them sometimes. Yeah. But I, and I definitely can see the side of it where you you want to uh, tune the world out and maybe a way of doing that would be to get drunk, you know? Um, so I, I get it. But again, so what I've, I think the where, where I'm at now, and it's not that I'm at the right, I'm just on a different curve. The curve that I'm on now is more, those primitive thoughts and feelings are wonderful to write down in the moment. Do it. Write it down. Document it somehow. Maybe you turn your 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 little voice recorder on in your phone or or turn the camera on on your phone and, and do it right there. Save it. Keep it. You can use that. Right. But you don't just because you documented it and kept it doesn't mean you got to keep on fueling that fire. Yeah. Now that actually gives you the ability to say, all right, I felt that it was awesome or it was not awesome, whatever it was. Right. And now I have it. I know what that is and I remembered it and I, and I was actually, now I'm being conscious of it because the the other problem about being primitive while you're, you know, or uh, having these primitive thoughts is that if you constantly only fuel primitive thoughts and live from one moment to the next, then you're not actually examining any of them anyway. Right. So it really, makes it kind of hard as the artist you know, Or at least in my case as an actor, if all I'm doing is living those things, then I'm not really examining it and going to be able to recreate it right. in an accurate way. It's like
0: you're forcing yourself to get into those moments, but you don't know what that actually felt like. Yeah. So that when it's time to to bring that yeah. back up for a scene or whatever, you actually don't yeah. know what it was you know what because you, you were yeah. so affected by whatever yeah you, you were drunk
1: with the emotion and so and so and and you know that's where you know a scientist brain there's nothing more rational than a scientist brain right so that's why you kind of have to have that scientist mentality about it it's like ah you know i don't know you think of uh what's, what is it the, the hulk banner right you see him and you bruce banner you, you see him and you go all right he's studying what's happening to him he has this major freak out and he turns into the hulk he knows what is going to get him there And so, in in a lot of ways, I always kind of thought of of actors kind of needing a bit of that where you look at it and you go, I know I I can turn this on or I can turn this off, but I have to be able to know when to turn it on and when to turn it off. When's the appropriate time? It was
0: always interesting to me because I felt like, well, so does that mean you're not creative, sober? (laughs)
1: <laughs> well, there was probably... You know, you're always
0: relying on some, something, something... to alternate. A substance to alter your mental state to be creative, does that mean in your sober state you're, you're not, not creative?
1: Uh, it does. Yeah, I think it does. I think it does kind of mean that.
0: And is that satisfying?
1: No, Is that no. what you want no, to No, no, it's not. It's just... Uh, it's not at all. No. I mean, for me personally, it's not at all. No. To think that I would have to only be inebriated in some way <laughs> to be creative uh, is basically sort of like the inverse of being creative you know it's like here you can't just pop a pill and turn on your creativity i mean i guess you actually i shouldn't say that there are certain experiments that have been done with that type of thing but there's a fine line between hey no this is a truly creative person that they could walk into a room stone cold sober and be able to figure but you couldn't do that if you if you if all you ever did was live in the moment and push um push the you know Primitive button every step of the way. You have to be able to step away and look at the look at things from a big picture rational perspective. Or I should say, I have to do that because it's not. I don't know how any other creative person's brain really works. You know, it's all I know is how mine works. Yeah, and so for me, especially now, it's better for me. I've noticed better results whenever I I embrace those primitive moments, but I make sure that they get examined from a rational perspective at some point. And I also know that life is better for me when I don't pour my, my uh, heart and soul into those moments so much so that it affects you and me. Because yeah. when that happens, then all of a sudden you're affecting the people around you. Well, it's really hard to stay rational then because you're kind of in turmoil all the time. Right. It's not a good place. So, so I, that, that's, that's a, I guess that is a, to a certain degree, I've learned to become mentally tough in that regard. You know, I always think back about my, my granddad had a, uh, he was a smoker and he had emphysema and he quit drinking and smoking without anything other than just, nope, I quit. And he just was done. That was it. He He kept a pack of cigarettes on the dining room table, and then he would carry them around in his shirt pocket. I don't know what it takes for somebody to be able to have the thing that they want the most in some moments, just right there in their shirt pocket and to be able to go, nope, and he did that for the whole rest of his life. So that's a that's a kind of mental toughness that I also see in you and and um Oh, thank you. Well, you you I mean I, I mean it. it's it's one of those things that it's like you notice it when you're around people and and there are, there have been times like I said where I've had it, I guess, but um but I just Well, I, and let's I, be real I,
0: honest. Sometimes I just need to have a big breakdown cry.
1: Right. Okay. I mean, sometimes I yeah. just have
0: to let it out. Like I can't, there's not enough breathing and adrenal support pills that I yeah. could take that'll get it out other than just a big Cry. Cry.
1: You know what's funny about that is it almost does, and I know what that feels like too. I mean, we probably all do, but it's like.
0: Seems like it's It's been a cleanser. More often.
1: It's cleansing. Yeah. Like it feels cleansing. Like, like
0: the tears are actually getting rid of something. Yeah, yeah. Know? It's
1: like there's something in your body, you know, you have some infection. Like if you have an infection in your body, right?
0: Right.
1: Uh, usually that infection's like swelling up, getting red. It starts to ooze, literally starts to ooze. Disgusting, but Ew. it's true. Yeah. But that's what's happening is trying to work, it, your body's trying to work it out. And yeah. It's weird how you have these middle breakdowns at times that turn into tears and it's like the tears are sort of pouring that yeah, crap God, out of you. Yeah, God, my
0: eyes swell up, my lips swells up, like everything, right? My oh, yeah. nose. Upper, your
1: upper lip. Yeah, Oh my yeah. gosh.
0: Look like somebody I've Punched been in a you. bad fight, <laughs> yeah. But uh, those are the things that So I got my top 3
1: then. Okay. All right. This is a this is a subject that could go on for obviously ever because it's it, it's an ongoing battle, especially I think in the lives of of creative people, but it's an ongoing battle in everyone's life. If you're, if you ever commit to anyone or anything, you're going to experience it, right? So what are your top three things that you try to?
0: Well, if I go back to what we talked about, the first one was kind of examining what's happening and not trying to get too overwhelmed with what the long-term result could be and just try to take it one step, one moment, one step at a time. hmm Right? Like, just don't get too... O- don't overwhelm yourself with all the most terrible possibilities. Okay. Just, Just say, okay, what can I do right now in this moment and then the next moment and the next hour, next day that'll help me get through it. Okay. So, I think that was my first Number one. one. Um, my second one was just knowing my body and what it is that my body actually needs to manage my mental state and that could be breathing like or doing yoga or exercising like you know getting it out of my system even what we just talked about crying like i might just need to have a really good cry yeah to get it out and manage manage whatever is going on and so i think that's my my second one
1: okay third
0: Um,
1: I I actually have one that that was sort of touched on, but triggered by what you just said uh, about the the knowing when to delve into just the moment and not look at all the 10 potentially bad things that could happen ahead or down the road. Okay. So... I also think you have to balance just what I was talking about earlier. Like I was, I, I practiced actively living in the moment and not worrying about 10 steps down the road. Yeah. I was good about doing that for about a decade. And it actually, I, I was so good at living in the moment that I would f- neglect the 10 things that could potentially be happening down the yeah. road. Yeah. So there's a balance there. You have to balance living in the moment with your ability to look ahead. Yeah. And that that's a, that's a different balance for each and every individual. But I had to find what my right balance was uh, in order to, to remain mentally tough enough to be able to do the things I want to do, whether that's being good at marriage or being good at you know making a movie or acting or whatever yeah. it may be. So so the, the balance piece is really important, um, I think.
0: Well, and even you think about being on this road trip, you know, the thing that you said to me the other day was like, when we go on these trips, what's great is I can be creative the whole time because I'm conscious or I'm, I'm being conscientious about not overindulging on anything. And then I'm yeah. also exercising, sleeping, you know, out in nature, like I'm doing all the things that nurture creativity. And it fuels that. And it makes me want to be more creative.
1: Yeah. Everywhere I look, it's inspirational and I don't want to miss a moment of it. So <clears throat> we are out all day, you know, whether it's hiking or moving around or biking, biking. Um, and then we wear ourselves out so much that we might have a couple of drinks or whatever in the evening with dinner and then we're ready to go to bed and wake up and do it all over again the next day you know yeah and that is a great pattern for for me personally i think it's a great pattern for anyone but but it's definitely a great pattern for me um and then i'll i'll tack on one fourth one okay just a bonus bonus fourth what i think yeah okay um I think you do have to, in order to be mentally tough, have to test yourself with it now and again. I think you have to shock yourself yeah. and allow yourself to be, um, allow yourself to be uncomfortable in a, in, and I'm not saying you gotta go out of your way to search for that, those, that type of unhappiness, but when it comes your way, don't try to scrape it under the rug or sweep it under the rug. Just Go ahead and say, you know what? I got to deal with this. I'm going to admit what the hell's going on here and I'm going to try to deal with this one step at a time, like you said, you know,
0: well, and it's the, what spurred this whole podcast was we were listening to, uh, Dr. David Sinclair, right. Right. On Joe Joe Rogan. Right. Right. And he's a what? Harvard.
1: Well, he is a geneticist? geneticist. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And. He said something that he learned from Gabrielle Reese and uh, Laird Laird Hamilton Hamilton was that they're so skilled at pushing their body to the limits. You know, they use their
1: mind to push their body. Yeah,
0: they're mega athletes, and recently they were um, showing him a workout that was holding weights and swimming across a pool while Uh, holding your breath. Yeah, and
1: what did she tell him? What did she she tell
0: him? Like. Don't, you know, your body's going to tell you that it wants to get a breath of air, but you can do it. You don't need to get that breath of air. She basically
1: said your body's wrong. Your mind, let your mind tell your body it's wrong and keep going.
0: Yes. Yeah. And so I think in sometimes managing your mental state is your body wants to go straight into that reactive mode. But there are ways that you can just get to know yourself well enough that you can figure out how to respond
1: well and i do think the body and the mind are inextric- inextricably tied together yeah uh, and so you can use your body to push your mind but you can also obviously use your mind to push your body and- yeah
0: i mean you look at bodie right and our dog has a torn acl and it is so hard to keep her from jumping
1: yeah because on is, and, and off and things her her mental toughness really is from a lack of probably understanding of anything that's going on other than, Hey, this kind of hurts or this is, I don't know. I can't even tell how bad it hurts. Honestly. Yeah.
0: I can't either. But,
1: um, cause she, you, she doesn't show that it's hurting, but yeah, for her to just take off and try to leap. It's like, God, I wish I could tell this animal and make her understand that yeah. she can't keep doing that. Yeah. But that's, you know, that's an animal, you know? So anyway, all right. Well, mental toughness, uh, Episode 37.
0: Yeah. Managing your mental state.
1: Managing your mental state. (laughs)